Ask not what your country can do for you. There's a last man! I've got to be in the lead! The Giants have the Peter, oh, you little mouse, so won't you go away? One ringy-dingy. Hand off to Griffin, back to middle, gets the five. Touchdown, Ohio State! Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plane. I'm interested to know, Gracie, who's your choice? Need you ask, George. Time now for spinning my dad's vinyl. Here with all his skips, scratches, and pops is my dad, Frank Vaccarello. Thanks, sweetie. And thank you for tuning in to Episode 5 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. As someone who spent over a decade and a half in radio, I was particularly interested in this collection of golden moments in radio when I found it. In today's episode, you will hear from some of the trailblazers in not only radio, but those who made very successful transitions to TV and motion pictures. So, let's go back in time with Volume 5, Golden Memories of Radio Part 1. And we'll let the guy who put this collection together give it a proper introduction. Again, this is Jack Benny welcoming you on behalf of the Longine Symphonette for a warm visit to a magic world and to a golden treasure chest of memory, entertainment, excitement, drama, and world history. Yep, we are going to explore the world of golden radio. I was part of radio as it developed, just as I am part of television. I share with Bing Crosby, Bob Hope, Red Skelton, George Burns, Lucille Ball, Arthur Godfrey, and many others, a common heritage in radio. I'd like to help you enjoy again those nostalgic moments when the family gathered together in the living room to share the make-believe world of radio. We will look in on comedy, drama, suspense, news, and the people who made it all possible. By the nature of radio, we as performers shared with you, our listeners, the creative best in our lives. We worked together, and for that reason, radio became part of our growing up together. Before we get started, though, I'd like to tell those of you who are just discovering the golden days of radio how it differs from today's television. Radio was really do-it-yourself television. Instead of a big, ugly glass picture tube, you saw the performers in your own mind. You were not restricted by the boundaries of a 21-inch tube, but instead painted your own big-as-life version of each moment with that loving, creative brush we call imagination. Now, just in case you're out of practice, here's a little test to demonstrate the power of your imagination. Now, don't open that door, McGee! Didn't you see that fabulous closet just as clearly as though it was on the largest full-color television screen imaginable? Why, every time McGee opened that door, a million Americans saw a closet in their own homes. 
Now let's try a more ambitious test of your imaginative power. And as we do, we'll start our sentimental journey back to the golden years of radio. When that instrument was a golden cornucopia from which poured the wealth of the greatest entertainers in history. Here is Bing Crosby on his Philco Radio Time Show, the night he entertained two guests. Let me alone, I'll get it, I'll get it. Just a minute, hey, say you. Have you ever played this number before, bub? Played it? I made it. Well, I should have known Jack Finney. I certainly expected you tonight, Jack. I expected you over, but I didn't expect to find you in the orchestra. I can't understand it. I've, I've never played so poorly. <laughs> oh, cheer up, Jack. Sure you have. Thanks, kid. But I, I, I practiced all morning to limber up. I even washed my fingers and does. Does doesn't do it. I'm dead. <laughs> Better switch to Wheaties, kid. But Jack, I thought Mary was going to come with you. Where is she? Oh, she stopped by the musicians' union to pay my dues. Do you belong? You belong to the musicians' union? Don't act so shocked. Well, then, never heard of that. Like of course, oh, I belong to the musicians' union. I'm one of the charter members. You see, years ago, I had a little band. We all joined together. Oh, I know the group well. A fife, a drum, and a guy with a bandage around his head. <laughs> I've had nothing. <laughs> Look, I don't mean the spirit of 76. My band was called Jack Benny and his Sizzling Gobblers. Sizzling Gobblers? That's the line they gave me. Yeah. <laughs> we specialized in turkey trot. That's the line. That's the line. <laughs> And I bet your drummer had drumsticks that were really drumsticks. Yeah, he used to drive me crazy with that munching during my solo. <laughs> Can't understand it. Bill Morrow used to write for me. <laughs> anyway, Bing, Bing, what I wanted to see you about is a business proposition. Uh, uh, what are you going to do this summer? I'm going to take a vacation. Well, I've got an idea where you and I could combine business with pleasure. I'm afraid not, Jack. But Bing, I mean, this is a chance to pick up some extra money. And that never hurts, you know. Oh, no, it's spending that hurts, isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous. It doesn't bother me. Uh, don't knock it till you've tried it. <laughs> well, Mary Livingston. <laughs> yeah, get a load of her all decked out like Mrs. Astor's horse. Listen, Mary, you never get all dressed up like that on my program. Well, how often do I sit on Bing Crosby's lap? Well, you're not on Crosby's lap. Wait till I get rolling. <laughs> Mary, just kidding, Bing. Nothing will happen. You keep out of this. Fine. Listen, I've been thinking of this for years, and I might as well come right and, out and say it. What do all the women see in Bing Crosby? Look at him. <laughs> hey, he's... You know, he's got blue eyes like mine, though. Blue eyes like mine. You can stop there, brother. Mary, all I want to know is... Did you go to the Musicians' Union and pay my dues? Yes. All right, Mary, where's my card? Here. 
Just a minute, this isn't a musician's card. Oh, I forgot to tell you. They transferred you to the plumber's union. The plumber's union? Your plunger arrives tomorrow. <laughs> what? I can't wait to hear your first solo. <laughs> Gonna be asleep on the deep, huh? Is your imagination getting tuned up? Good. The Philco Radio Show, starring Jack Benny, Bing Crosby, and Mary Livingstone. Philco Radio Time was a radio series starring entertainer Bing Crosby. The series ran over ABC Radio with episodes airing from October 16, 1946 to June 1, 1949. The series was also syndicated for a period of time over the Armed Forces Radio Network. It is also known for being the first pre-recorded radio program aired on the major USA radio networks. For the first season, the shows were recorded on disc, but beginning with the series' second season, the show began using Ampex tape recorders for their broadcasts. And we're going to dive into that tidbit a little later in the show. Philco Radio Time was usually recorded in Hollywood and was sponsored by the Philco Corporation, a pioneer in battery, radio, and television production. They are currently owned by Philips. Now let's introduce you to who you heard talking. Harry Lillis Bing Crosby Jr., born May 3, 1903, died October 14, 1977. He was an American singer, comedian, and actor, the first multimedia star. Crosby was one of the most popular and influential musical artists in the 20th century. He was a leader in record sales, radio ratings, and motion picture grosses from 1930 to 1954. He made over 70 feature films and recorded more than 1,600 different songs. Jack Benny, born Benjamin Kubelski, February 14, 1894, died December 26, 1974. He was an American entertainer who evolved from a modest success playing violin on the vaudeville circuit to a highly popular comedic career in radio, television, and film. He was known for his comic timing and the ability to cause laughter with a pregnant pause or a single expression, such as his signature exasperated, well... His radio and television programs, popular from 1932 until his death in 1974, were a major influence on the sitcom genre. Benny often portrayed his character as a miser who obliviously played his violin badly and ridiculously claimed to be 39 years of age, regardless of his actual age. Mary Livingstone, born Sadia Markowitz, later known as Sadie Marks was born June 23, 1905, and died June 30, 1983. She was an American radio comedian and actress. She was the wife and radio partner of comedian Jack Benny. Enlisted casually to perform on her husband's program, she proved a talented comedian. But she also proved one of the rare performers to experience severe stage fright years after her career was established, so much so that she retired from show business completely after two decades in the public eye, almost three decades before her death and at the height of her husband and partner's fame. Okay, speaking of husband and wife comedy duo, well, it's not quite time yet to say goodnight, Gracie. 
Our radio pioneered most of the kind of shows you see on television today. Humor, for example, breaks down into two basic formats, the variety show and the situation comedy. Both forms reached a peak in radio. I asked George Burns to select a favorite episode of the George Burns and Gracie Allen show from his own personal collection. As the new half century gets underway, the favorite pastime seems to be choosing the outstanding men of the last half century. Magazines and newspapers have published their selections, but Gracie seems to think one important name has been omitted. Thomas Edison, Winston Churchill. How can they pick men like that to head the list? I'm interested to know, Gracie, who's your choice? Need you ask, George. I'm thinking of a man whose glorious romantic voice has thrilled millions. The birds are sweetly singing and perfume flowers are bringing in the wind oh, tonight. A man whose charm and talent are world famous. Gracie, this is getting embarrassing. Only one man should top this list, Charles Boyer. <laughs> Charles Boyer? Mm -hmm. You put him ahead of Edison? Yep. Edison invented electric lights. With Boyer, who needs them? Gracie, <laughs> there are there's some pretty great men on this list. Not as great as Boyer. But uh, look at these names. Arturo Toscanini, conductor. How do you like that? A man who punches transfers. <laughs> he happens to be a musical conductor. All right, so he hums while he punches transfers. <laughs> and Dardanella. Yeah, and here's, here's another one, Einstein. Now, what did he do? Einstein? Yes. What did he do? Uh -huh. He's the father of relativity. Oh, what does she do? <laughs> relativity Einstein? Yeah. She's with Warner Brothers. <laughs> you know, Gracie, for a minute there, instead of boy A, I thought that you thought that I belonged on that list of great men. Oh, oh, well, you see, George, you're my husband, and I don't think of you as a man. Oh, thanks. I mean, I, I don't think of you as a man who does anything. Thanks again. I mean, I don't think of you as a man who does anything romantic. A triple thanks and stop thinking about it. Hurt your feelings. And I didn't mean to, George. You know, I'd rather be married to you than any man on this list. Churchill, Edison, Stalin, Hitler. You have just earned my fourth thank you. There you go. George's favorite piece of the Burns and Allen show. Burns and Allen was an American comedy duo consisting of George Burns, who was born January 20th, 1896, and died March 9th. 1996, and his wife Gracie Allen, born July 26, 1895, and died August 27, 1964. They worked together as a successful comedy team that entertained vaudeville, film, radio, and television audiences for over 40 years. The duo met in 1922 and married in 1926. Burns played the straight man and Allen played a silly, addle-headed woman. The duo starred in a number of movies, including Lamb Chops, the big broadcast, along with two sequels, and A Damsel in Distress. Their 30-minute radio show debuted in September 1934 as The Adventures of Gracie, whose title then changed to The Burns and Allen Show in 1936. The series ran, moving back and forth between NBC and CBS until May 1950. 
After their radio show's cancellation, Burns and Allen reemerged on television with a popular situation comedy, which ran from 1950 to 1958. And that was a show my dad and I enjoyed watching together uh, quite a bit when it was in reruns in the 1970s. And of course, George Burns went on to play the title role uh, in Oh God, another movie series that my dad and I saw. I know we saw it in the theater. Okay, let's talk about the album itself that I picked for today. It is Jack Benny, Golden Memories of Radio. The label is Longines Symphonette Society. You're actually going to hear several albums uh, in this podcast from that society. It's a six LP vinyl compilation box set. Uh, it was released in 1969. And we are going to be hearing sides 1 and 12, which are on the same album. This is another one of those collections where you played sides 1 through 6 on that turntable on the automatic drop mechanism, and then you flip the whole stack over, and then you would hear uh, sides 7 through 12. Um, looking at Discogs, the lowest value on there was $1.78. Median was $7.25. The highest was at $13, found a copy on eBay for $15.99, and surprisingly, Amazon was not the highest. They came in at $14.50. Looking at my dad's uh, piece itself, the media itself is in fair condition. As you can hear, there is still some hissing. The collection package itself is is fair, and I still have to give it those dings because uh, my dad liked to put those labels on there to make sure that people know that they were his. So, okay, we're going to call my dad's valued at five bucks. Um, and here's a little why I picked this album. I told you about my time spent in radio. Well, one of the concepts I was taught in broadcasting school was that radio was theater of the mind. Using mic technique and sound effects would cause a certain image in the mind of the listener. Listener, and just like Jack said in his intro, well, the recordings you are hearing on today's episodes are great examples of theater of the mind concept, uh, especially when it comes to comedy. But right now, we're going to stray just a moment to music. And here's a short ditty from a singer who also wrote a song I'm sure you've heard a few thousand times in your life, and I'm going to tell you about that in a moment. When you think of the golden age of radio, you're bound to remember the performer whose hold on the heartstrings of America spanned almost three generations, vaudeville to radio and then to television. When he died, a whole nation mourned his loss. I love to spend each Sunday with you as friend of friend. I'm sorry it's true I'm telling you Just how I feel I hope you feel That way too Eddie Cantor, of course. Hey, you stole my line, Jack. <laughs> uh, a short and sweet moment from Eddie Cantor, and I wanted to include that moment, uh, even though it was real short, on this episode so I can say I played the entire first side. Eddie Cantor, born Isidore Itzkowitz on January 31st, 1892, died October 10th, 1964. 
He was an American comedian, dancer, singer, actor, songwriter, and illustrated song performer. That's a practice where live performers, usually both a pianist and a vocalist, were used to accompany still images projected from glass slides. Familiar to Broadway, radio, movie, and early television audiences, this apostle of Pep was regarded almost as a family member by millions because his top-rated radio shows revealed intimate stories and amusing anecdotes about his wife Ida and five daughters. Some of his hits include Making Whoopee and How You Gonna Keep Them Down on the Farm After They've Seen Putty. He also wrote a few songs including Merrily We Roll Along, You'll recognize that as the Merry Melodies Warner Brothers cartoon theme. That's why I really included him in this episode, because I wanted to tell you that. Okay, now time for an interesting side note. It's about the Philco radio show being the first pre-recorded radio series. Before that, those nationally syndicated radio shows were done live and usually in front of a studio audience. It was Bing Crosby who influenced the development of the post-war recording industry. After seeing a demonstration of a German broadcast quality reel-to-reel tape recorder brought to America by John Mullen, he invested $50,000 in a California electronics company called Ampex to build copies. He then convinced ABC to allow him to tape his shows. He became the first performer to pre-record his radio shows and master his commercial recordings onto magnetic tape. And until recently, due to today's technology, uh, those weekly syndicated shows were still delivered to radio stations on albums and tapes. Um, in fact, I, I got to play them quite a bit. actually saw way more vinyl than I did audio when I was in the radio in the 1980s and 90s, uh, really because the vinyl records were a lot easier and quicker to reproduce than the tapes. Also, they ended up being lighter, which also saved on postage as well. Um, and I've worked at radio stations that played many of these weekly shows that came to you in these different formats, um, from AT Top 40 to Westwood One uh, in Westwood One's in concert. Actually, I was just having a conversation with my girlfriend a couple of weeks ago about this media. She thought that Casey Kasem's weekly Top 40 was done live. Well, of course, you thought it. It was meant to sound like it was live. Well, I informed her that we would get the entire show on a couple of albums, actually even up to a couple of days before we played it. They came completely produced with all the national commercials built in. All we did was add our local commercials when they were called for on the log. So thought you might find that interesting that some of uh, who we are hearing today were so influential on some of the technological changes in the radio industry that lasted for years. Okay, now we're going to flip the album over for a few minutes before we come back and finish side one. This was taken from a full-length terror drama, freshly produced just as it was heard on Golden Radio. Linda, Linda. No. Will you let me go? Let me go! I don't want you, you fool. You're not through with me. I'm through with you. Linda, you're my wife. Oh, is that supposed to hold me to you? 
Why do you think I married you? You loved me. You must have loved me. I loved you about as much as that canary up there loves its cage. Stop that. I told myself I'd stay with you a year. For five years? Yeah, five years, because you threw me a curve. You started to make more than I ever thought you could make. (laughs) But now I've had a belly full. So goodbye, mister. I'm cashing in. Linda, you don't mean that. One side, bookkeeper. I'm headed for Vegas. You're no good. I know you're no good, but heaven help me. I love you. I've never loved anybody else. Get out of my way. No, I won't let you go. You've got to stay. Take your hands off me. You let go. No good. You cost me my self-respect, but you're going to stay with me. Keep your hands off me. You'll stay with me or I'll cut you off without a cent. You'll never get a dime from me. Not a dime. Now, stop that. Are you Stop laughing. Are you fat-headed sap? You stop that. You're going to cut me off without a cent, are you? Oh, you fool. I've got everything that belongs to you now. You hear me? Everything. What are you talking about? What are you saying? This house. It's in my name, isn't it? The what? car. It's in my name, well, isn't you, it? You, you oh, wouldn't. Wouldn't I? Well, listen to this, my darling husband. I cleaned out the bank account yesterday. No. Every cent of it. I won't be in the street. You will. This is my house. Get your things and get out of here. What? I'll kill you. No. I'll kill oh, you. Oh, you stop it. No! No! Let me go. Let me go. No! Egyptian cat! Broken! It was your eye. You pushed me against it, you! You, you and your stupid cat statue. You, We're talking you, about our marriage. You broke my Egyptian All cat! All right, I broke it, I broke oh. it. They're more important to you. I'll break them all. No! 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 Oh, what are you doing? Stop it! I'll stab you! My face! Broken. Oh, broken. <laughs> my lovely cats. My babies. My babies. Clawed me. Blood. My babies. Is that what they were to you? Babies. A cat. That's what you are. Mother of cats. A cat, a cat. That's what you are, a cat. A big white cat. You think like one. You screech like one. You claw like one. You even look like one. Your eyes. I never realized before. Your cat's eyes. That's what they are. Cat's eyes. A cat. I didn't marry a woman. I married a cat. You're a cat. A backyard, back fence cat. That's enough of that. Stop saying it. A cat, a cat, a cat. Stop staring at me like that. Stop staring at me! Arch Obler presents Cat Wife, True Theater of the Mind, and Arch Obler was pretty good at it. He was born December 7th, 1907, died March 19th, 1987. He was a playwright, screenwriter, novelist, producer, and director who was active in radio films, theater, and television. He generated much attention with his radio scripts, and his work in radio remains the outstanding period of his career. Praised as one of broadcasting's top talents, he is regarded today as a key innovator of radio drama. Now, the version you just heard was not the original Boris Karloff edition from those Lights Out broadcasts. Uh, Boris Karloff did that version in 1938. The best I could determine, the version you just heard was done in the 1940s sometimes. Um, and it 
also starred a couple of different people. Vic Perrin, who was born April 26, 1916, died July 4th, 1989. He was an American radio, film, and television actor, perhaps best remembered for providing the control voice in the original version of the television series The Outer Limits, which aired 1963 to 1965. He was also a radio script writer as well as a narrator in feature films and for special entertainment and educational projects such as the original Spaceship Earth and Universe of Energy rides at Epcot at the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. During the 1940s and 1950s, Perrin was a regular performer on many commercial radio programs. In 1941, he became a staff announcer for NBC, staying there for several years before moving to ABC and becoming chief announcer at the Blue Network. Virginia Lee Gregg was born March 6, 1916, died September 15, 1986. She was an American actress known for her many roles in radio dramas and television series. Greg was a prolific radio actress heard on such programs as The Adventures of Sam Spade, Dragnet, Dr. Kildare, Gunsmoke, The Jack Benny Program, and a half dozen more. She did feature films, and Wikipedia says, On television, Greg appeared in nearly every narrative television series in the late 50s through the early 70s, including Rockford Files, Maverick, My Favorite Martian, The Twilight Zone, and Kung Fu. And wow, was this an interesting episode to hear some of these pioneers in the early days of radio and then where they went on into television and other mediums. Absolutely, truly some of the first multimedia stars that we have. Okay, before we end this, let's hear another regular show that you should know. Now, very early in the development of radio came two characters called Sam and Henry. Once the name was changed to Amos and Andy, a new national pastime was invented. Well, I can remember walking past motion picture theaters in the 30s and seeing the signs that promised to stop the movie and turn on the radio when it came Amos and Andy time. You know, Andy, it's a great thing for us, this job with the construction company. Oh, yeah, and I like that Mr. Carter, the head of the company. He sure was nice to us when he gave us the tools this morning. Oh, yeah, he is a real gentleman. I tell you, I never... Uh, I'll get him. Hello, George Kingfish Stevens speaking. Hello, this is Mr. Carter of the Carter Construction Company. Oh, yes, Mr. Carter, how's you this evening? See here, what are you and Brown trying to pull? Why didn't you show up on that porch wrecking job this morning? Uh, well, you see, we, uh, we, uh, uh, excuse me, you say something about slowing up on that porch wrecking job. I said, why didn't you and Brown show up on that porch wrecking job? Well, I, uh, uh, uh Miss Carter, uh, excuse me, uh, we got a bad disconnection here. Can't you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, I can hear what you were saying, but I know you ain't saying what I is here. Hello? Hello? Uh, look, Miss Carter, uh, the phone's all messed up here. I tell you what, I'll hang up and you call me right back. Very well. What's the trouble, Kingsley? Oh, I don't know, Andy. The phone is messed up or my ears done jammed up on me. Uh, you take the call when the man calls back. Uh, okay, I'll, uh, wait a minute. Uh, hello, Andy Brown speaking. 
Oh, it's you, Brown. Can you hear what I'm saying? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You coming through fine. Good. Now, what is it you want to tell me? I want to know why you and Stevens didn't show up to wreck that porch this morning. I, uh... Hold the phone. Kingfish, get back on here. This man is all confused. Uh, hello, Miss Carter. Stevens back on here. Look, Stevens, what's going on? You and Brown are completely confused. We are confused. You are the one that's confused. We spent the whole day today wrecking the porch over at 4565 Amsterdam Avenue. 4565 Amsterdam Avenue? That's fine. Well, thank you, sir. That's just great. Yeah, we thought it was a nice job, yeah. The porch you were supposed to wreck was at 666 Riverside Drive. Carter, is you there? Yes. Well, Miss Carter, this time, let's both hang up and don't nobody call nobody back. Comedy characters, Amos and Andy. Amos and Andy is an American radio and television sitcom set in Harlem, the historic center of Afro-American culture in New York City. The original radio show, which ran from 1928 to 1960, was created, written, and voiced by two white actors, Freeman Gosden and Charles Carell, who played Amos Jones and Andrew Hogg Brown, respectively, as well as incidental characters. When the show moved to television, black actors took over the majority of the roles. White characters were infrequent. Amos and Andy began as one of the first radio comedy series and originated from station WMAQ in Chicago. After the first broadcast in 1928, the show became a hugely popular radio series. Early episodes were broadcast from the El Mirador Hotel in Palm Springs, California. The show ran as a nightly radio serial nightly, 1928 to 1943, as a weekly situation comedy from 1943 to 55, and as a nightly disc jockey program from 1954 to 60. A television adaptation ran on CBS from 51 to 53 and continued in syndicated reruns from 1954 to 1966. And then it would not be shown to a nationwide audience again until... 2012. Very, very interesting history of one of the very first radio programs of its kind. And boy, am I glad we got to hear it here. Okay, well, thank you very much for tuning into Volume 5, Golden Memories of Radio Part 1, However You Did. If you want more information about this show, head on over to spinningmydadsvinyl.com. I'll be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops with Volume 6, Herb Albert, The Lonely Bowl. Go with the flow, my friends. Mm-hmm.